0: you a little bit do you yes. ask the same 12 questions every, every time? time that's okay. a great question hey welcome to 12 <laughs> questions my Hi. name is anna valenzuela hey uh alex again sorry uh we're uh we're getting you on next week just trying to jam uh through some pods just get it going it's a little steamy in this house i'm realizing now that i've moved around and it it's is quite a Is it too hot? Is it too hot? Do you want me to...
1: I mean, I can bear it, but yeah, you were moving around. I was moving around.
0: Well, let's not move. I'll I'll not move around then. Okay. We'll just stay very quiet. I'll just stay very, very still during this pod. On this podcast, we let the guests introduce themselves just in case they want to stay anonymous and like really get intimate
1: oh okay well I'll still get really intimate because I'm an overshare that is what your I brand do. yeah <laughs> so uh, I'm Nicole Buchanan,
0: <laughs> Yay, Nicole Buchanan!
1: Uh, you guys know her from
0: uh, Rose Battle and writing um, on bunches of TV shows now and uh, just killing it in the game um, and yeah yeah trying just doing it the the gen the generation of of roast battle um just i we probably overlapped just a little bit right
1: a little bit i was well, kind of starting out like right as i was burning up. out <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like burning out no you were like killing it oh um God. and i was just kind of starting out just doing but, it, but uh yeah, I don't really do it anymore. I like judging. I judge. I judged like twice in the past like month, and it's really fun. But uh, I don't really like battling anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it it it's it does take all, a lot out of you at some yeah. point. it yeah. was a
1: self esteem thing for me. I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah, was it the physical stuff or the emotional stuff or the sexual stuff that was coming up a lot?
1: Uh, or or it was, just a
0: fun combination combo pack? Honestly
1: the like i hate to say this but the thing that got to me the most were the jokes about my looks yeah i because like like people made jokes about like my suicide attempt about like my love life about like uh just everything you could and the, the only things that really hurt me were the jokes about my physical appearance
0: yeah i mean I can imagine i remember alex hooper once saying that like he he went home he definitely went home one night and like looked at the distance between his eyes to see if they were normal yeah you know sometimes you I, i think when i first started to do it maybe unconsciously and this was like pre pre happy weight in my relationship, but mm-hmm. I definitely was like the thinnest that I had been in a real long time. And I started dyeing my hair to cover up my gray and I started to g- kind of like wear more makeup. I started, I learned how to contour my face and yeah. like how to contour my nose down. And when I would battle, I would actually contour my nose down pretty heavily, like as much as I possibly could without it looking stupid or like drag. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, I think you we as women will try to armor ourselves by hiding our physical flaws because our our society will tell us and will tell others that like our value is also based in our appearance, whereas guys don't necessarily have that same bent, which is why the jokes never lean toward like, you're also if it is appearance jokes with guys that's like creepy or maybe overweight because that's yeah. like overweight is like a thing people like to devalue no matter what but yeah
1: but they but like guys have to be way fatter to be called fat on roast battle than women like Whoa. women if you're like not stick then like they can call you fat the
0: first time somebody <laughs> called crazy. me fat i wanted to be like frank castillo have you <laughs> seen yourself you giant mr potato head but i was it's like crazy i didn't say that and i should have said that, that i always i'm one of those people that like i think of the best comebacks in the shower yeah like i'm just like oh i should call him a mr potato he's round <laughs> ass he's so round
1: <laughs> yeah you can you can literally say like anything about a woman's appearance and even I, that's why the last time i judge or two mm-hmm. times ago that i judged someone called sarah keller like flat chested or something that's not true she got and titties. literally like i've been to sarah's house and seen her like Topless, and she's got like some poppin' titties. Like, she's, <laughs> she's got like some C's or D's, like for sure. Yeah, and uh and so like when I judged, I was like, mm, that joke was inaccurate because I happen to know that Sarah has great titties. Yeah, like, I don't know why that hit at all. Because like it just it it's insane. Like I've also seen people called Sarah fat or ugly, and then like that's I don't know why I take it so personally because I'll see other people like Leah Kajanian or like you or people who are just like I see and i'm like oh they're beautiful and they get ugly jokes that work and i'm like but i don't know why i take it personally when it happens to me but i think it's just because like every battle like 90 percent of the jokes are appearance jokes yeah and they hit so hard that like it really started to get to me and i always have been really self-conscious about my looks and my weight and stuff but it was never like presented to me in my face like that like i was never really bullied in high school called ugly okay like but this was the first time like I had been like caught like my insecurities had been like just presented to me in a way where someone was telling me like, yep, you're ugly. And then everyone would laugh. So everyone would agree. And then so I would, I had to like face that and be like, oh, my God, like am I actually all the things I thought I was? And uh, yeah, it was terrible. And at one it's point. It's fun house mirrors. At, That's really what it is. At one point, like when I started coming up with really good comebacks, like i didn't i started to not care because i was like whatever you can call me whatever you want and i'm going to come back with something awesome and it's going to destroy the room right. and uh watch how ugly you think i am when i'm <laughs> like right. destroying you right um and that gave there me, is that phase that there is the kind com- empowerment phase that gave me confidence for a while but like even that like wore off to where like there's only so much like it started to wear on me that every battle i had to come up with a comeback for that uh yeah because i just knew it was going to be said and there's only so many comebacks for that and it just started to wear on me and i was like i don't i don't need i don't need to be why am i doing this i don't need to be called ugly anymore like i don't have to do this You know, and it gave me a lot of things roast battle, but I just oh absolutely me too. Yeah, I'm trying to work on my self-esteem. So I just feel like it's not a good thing to do while you're trying to love yourself or whatever, because that's the main thing. I'm or it's I think it's a main feature of my depression and all everything is just the way I talk to myself and I'm trying to change that dialogue. And so I don't think that that is helpful in changing that dialogue. So what was the
0: surrender there? Like, how do you experience surrender when it comes to, like, self-esteem and um, your depression? Like, w- what does that look like for you?
1: What do you mean, surrender? Like...
0: Like, when you when something isn't working. Like, Rose mm-hmm. Battle, for example, right. for you, stop working. So, right. like, when something stops working for you, what is that experience? What is that feeling? What is that...
1: I mean, I've had... It doesn't happen. I'm sure in any kind of thing, it doesn't happen just once. You know, like there's a few times where you realize, like, fuck, this isn't working, and then you try and fix it, and then you backslide, and then you. But um, I think like the first time was just when I was in um, college, and I was like living away from home, and I was just in bed every day, and it. I think it was that it was my first time living away from my parents who were very used to me. Like they just thought I was like an emotional person, maybe a little bit lazy, maybe a little bit, they just like uh, had this view of me that it like was normal for them. But then when I lived with roommates for the first time, it was like, um, they they were like, this isn't normal. <laughs> like you shouldn't right. be in your room, just in bed sleeping all the time. You shouldn't be this sad all the time. You shouldn't right. be crying this much. Right. Um because like yeah I think my parents were just kind of like oh that's just Nicole that's just the way she is but then like when I was living with other people they were like no this is not the way it's supposed to be (laughs) like you should not feel this way all the time because I felt like I was constantly battling myself like I was constantly just it was exhausting yeah and I just thought that that was the way I was like maybe I was just dramatic or maybe I was just like a sad person um and it just it got to the point where, like, I was pushing away a lot of my friends because especially my roommates who I lived with, because one of my roommates was someone I'd been friends with since high school. But she didn't really experience my depression the way that, you know, where it affected her until she lived with me. Right. Um, and so, like, I kind of pushed her away. Like, it, she, we became very, like, distant and fought a lot because, like, it was affecting her. And so I think whenever my depression starts, I see my depression start to affect other people. Every time that happens is when I'm like, okay, I have to do something. And it's happened recently in a relationship that I just had. I just went through a breakup because of it. Okay. Um, because I just, and especially in that situation, um, I think like that's when I backslide is kind of like when I get into a romantic um, situation. Cause I am like, Oh, well like if this person's here and they love me, then I don't have to take care of myself. Mm. Um, because every time I like start to take care of myself and I start to feel good and I start to like get back on my feet that's when people are attracted to me right and then I get into a relationship and then I'm like well I made someone love me that's it and then I just stop working on myself okay and I you know I kind of backslide and then I just rely on them way too much and then I'm just I go back to just being sad and unhappy and that's no fun for that person it starts to affect them right um I become very like codependent and stuff and so Every time I start to realize, like I go through a breakup or I lose a friend or like, I just realize that I'm starting to affect other people instead of just being exhausted and sad myself all the time is when I'm like, okay, I need to change something because I don't want to affect the other people in my life this way. I don't want to push away the people that I love. Yeah. So, um. I have had that surrender moment a few times. And then I think probably the biggest time where I really went through the most changes after a suicide attempt that yeah. I had, um, because that really much
0: joked about suicide attempt.
1: What's that? Yeah. Much joked about <laughs> right, and, uh, <laughs> That, that again was something that affected my family a lot. Mm. Um, I think like there was a lot of blame going around, uh, between like my parents, cause you know, people will blame themselves, people blame each other. I think it was just out of being scared. Uh, there was a lot of anger towards me from certain people in my family. Um, it just like, it really, it kind of, it affected uh, my household for a long time, my family for a long mm-hmm. time. And um, I never, when, you know, when I did that, I never thought about it that way. I thought like, oh, this will be better for everyone. Right, right, right. You know, because, um, I just felt like a burden on everyone. And, uh, but then, yeah, after that, I realized how much of that affected everyone. And I was like, okay, well I have to do something cause I never want to get to that point again. Um, yeah. So I think that was where I went through the most change. Cause I entered like a, um, like a outpatient program, like an intensive one where I did like three group therapy things a week and one individual therapy. It was a lot of therapy. That's a lot of therapy. Yeah. But, um, So I I went through that and I was like very closely monitored with my medication. Um, And I've been through that program twice because I, at one point I kind of backslid and started to feel suicidal again. But before I actually like got to that point, I was like, I need to go back into this program. And I did. So this
0: is a side question. This is a 12.5 question. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Having uh, one thing that really resonated with me is when you were talking about your relationship sort of experiences. And I've been yeah. thinking about that a lot because I was out of a relationship for a few years, especially when I first started to, uh, stand-up. And I was like really, in a lot of ways, functioning very, very well. Mm-hmm. And still functioning pretty well. A few things happened, the, the, the roast battle thing, the the physical problems, um, whoever's listening right now, is like yada, 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 we've heard this, Anna. Uh, <laughs> but also I got into a relationship and one at first I was thinking like, oh, I just let myself backslide. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's something I need to look at. But a way I've been viewing it is that me single is a certain certain amount of challenges because mm-hmm. it's me. Just, yeah. just me in this little sphere. Right. And some friends and some family. And those relationships all have like a certain proximity to them. But in a relationship, especially a live-in relationship, that emotional labor also kind of extends to another person just by, by virtue of how relationships work. Right. And so a new group of how we would say it in the program sense, like character defects or uh, emotional psychological issues kind of crop up that are specific to relationships. Yeah, that I can choose to either address or not address. And for me, my anxiety disorder kind of sure to rear. It was rearing its ugly head probably about the time we met. I was having the occasional unexplained panic attack, but it's got it got pretty gnarly about a year or two into my relationship, especially when all the physical s- stuff was happening. And the way I've been kind of framing it in my mind is, it wasn't like a backsliding situation; more of a these are new challenges, and I reached yes. I reached the limit of my tools. Like I would describe it to my therapist, like the handles broke off my psychological tools, and I had to get get new ones. Yeah, and so I, I, I it's interesting because you because you view it as moving backwards rather than life sort of leveling up therefore tools need to level up
1: right well my it's interesting because my therapist put it that way too there was a point in my relationship where I thought that I needed to break up with him because I was like oh I'm not ready for this because I haven't healed from a past relationship that I had like I hadn't healed from being kind of lied to and cheated on and treated not so great and
0: well, and you guys were always running into each other in the yeah. same spheres, personal and professional spheres. And so.
1: Right. And um, so I...
0: And he would sort of drop in on your life on occasion. Yeah. As, as those types of relationships are wont to do once they right. end, it's like that person's just like, surprise, I'm here to cause some mischief. And then they disappear again. Yeah.
1: And that person said a lot of things to me when I started dating my new boyfriend, he sent me a very long text that said a lot of things that I, w- I had to really question in my mind. Like, are these things true? Are they? Cause they were very, um, they made me feel really bad about myself and so I, I really had to just be like, do I, are these things that I, uh, do I need to fix things before I get into a new relationship or whatever? And then I was talking to my therapist about it and she was like, there are things that can only be healed in a relationship because a relationship triggers certain things. Yeah. And there will be a point where, like, say, um, say like your mom hit you or whatever and then you have a girlfriend and you get in a fight and at one point you might like uh maybe try and provoke her to hit you or something like that like and then she doesn't that's a healing thing because you're like oh not everyone is going to treat me that way right so um at least that was the example she gave me so like it just there are certain things that um can be healed within a relationship like we always think like we need to be like oh we need to be on our own and fix everything about us before we can enter into a relationship whereas there's things that are only going to be brought up when you are in a relationship and that's why you learn so much with each relationship yeah so that's good too you don't necessarily i think everyone thinks like oh i have to be by myself to make any growth it's like no relationships help you make growth too oh absolutely Um, but i think for me and it was why I've been in and out of slaw um, sex and love addicts anonymous for a while because I just, I, I have a very, like, like I said, my main thing is like self-esteem and insecurity. And I think I, I really crave like outward validation. And so like the minute I, what a comedian that craves outward <laughs> validation. So I just like, I think like, oh, if I can get this person to love me, I think that was what I had in my relationship before I was like, well, he treats me like shit, but if I can get him to love me and treat me better, then that that'll be validating or whatever. Right. Well, wh- what was the most sort of insane moment in that? Um, as far as like how I was being treated, or like Just what? What was the moment where you were like, "Oh, this is crazy. <laughs>
0: what am I doing here?" It
1: was. Ju- it was things where like, uh, he would do something terrible or lie to me or whatever and then somehow it was my fault there was a point where I realized I was being gaslit as fuck like I just realized like everything was my fault even if he was doing things to himself like there was a point where he was fired for um, harassment of another girl and he cool 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 uh he accused me of conspiring with her to make that happen and it was just like everything that went wrong in his life like made me a cunt and i was abusive and i was this and i was that no matter how he treated me but like the way he treated me was justified because he's an addict and he has issues or whatever, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listen, as an addict in a relationship with a non-addict, that's definitely a thing that can come up where you're like, there was one time Stuart and I were arguing about something
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I turned to him and I said, do you realize I'm wrong right now? You're apologizing to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wrong, I'm very wrong, yeah. I am super incorrect why aren't you standing up for yourself? And he was like, well, I just, I mean, I just, I I don't know. You're hard to argue with. And I'm like, well, stand up for yourself. Are you afraid of me? Yeah. (laughs) And he was like, a little bit. And I was like, oh, I had to take that emotional information and work on myself. But I I think that's the difference is if a relationship like that is going to succeed, somebody has to, like that person has to want to change. They have to want to be like, Oh, I don't want to hurt that person. Yeah. Similar, similar with your depression. It's like, you don't want to hurt the people around you.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't, and I like, uh, I don't mind sharing any of my own stuff, but I, ha- I hesitate to talk about this just because he's, you know, a sure, person sure, sure. in the community. And I don't think he, I still, even though we haven't talked in like a year and I like, we, I don't, Yeah uh, yeah, you we, wish him all the love we you had let a, him go yeah, with love we lot we had a lot of uh have a, bad, have a great life <laughs> bad things exchanged yeah, i don't yeah. think he's a bad person yeah at all um and i think there's probably there is a lot of things that i did wrong too oh for sure um and i think just
0: because and i don't say that to blame you i say that as like just because relationships are a 50 50 exchange absolutely yeah
1: and like a lot of times i think like um he was trying to like break away from me or there were times where I was trying to break away from him and he would not let me, but then there were times he was trying to not break away from me. He still wanted to be friends all the time, but I was just so obsessed with the idea of like, if I can get this person to love me, then that means I'm worth something. And so,
0: um, So that was sort of your insanity moment where you were like, what are you doing? So I
1: was constantly like, if he was like, no, I don't want to be with you. I'd be like, why not? What's wrong with me? Like, uh, I did. I was a little crazy. (laughs) Like, I was very like, um, I just, I had it so in my mind that like, for some reason, if I could get this to work, I was going to be happy because I couldn't understand why it wasn't happy. and i think it's because in like the short time in the beginning that we dated um i was very happy because i was getting that validation and i got that like honeymoon stage yeah. of like because he was kind of the first uh i lost my virginity to him he was yeah he was like the first person i really felt that like spark with so i had that like uh endorphin rush yeah. or whatever you get and it's so a lot I of think, chemical
0: shit happening in I there i think i
1: was craving that because i was like oh i'm so unhappy if i can get us back to that moment then I'll be happy yeah and then what I learned in this new relationship because I had someone who did love me cared about me very much treated me very much like I was worth something told me I was beautiful all the time would go around telling everyone how in love with me he was Mm. and I still wasn't happy and I still was like laying in bed just so like that made me realize like oh this is not something that's going to cure my depression right and I still have work to do yeah um And, yeah, I just kind of, like, when I started dating this new person, I was making such progress before that. I was in such a good place. And then I just kind of, like, stopped doing the work. Because I was like, oh, cool. I have someone who loves me now. I Like, I got got this. I'm good. Right. (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. And I stopped doing the work on, I know this sounds cheesy, but, like, loving myself. Yeah. And the triggers for me that happened in the relationship were insecurity things, self-esteem things. I was constantly like... And again, some of it was from my previous relationship. And I was like, why does he want to be with me when he could be with that girl over there? There were like specific girls that I'd be like, I bet he'd rather be with her. You know what I mean? Just because oh. I'm like, Cause she's pretty or she's funny or she's blah, blah, blah. Like, I bet he's just settling for me and wants to be with her. I like got very... A little paranoia going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, I got very like insecure sometimes. And like, I just... I constantly was like I've gained two pounds he must not be attracted to me anymore I don't want to be naked in front of him like I don't want to like what I like it brought out a lot of like very insecure things in me and that I get it slowly depleted his the the ironic thing is that slowly depletes their attraction to you like they could think you're the most beautiful girl in the world and if you're constantly like no I'm ugly I'm fat like right you know I don't, like that does make them lose attraction for to you sure. for
0: sure for sure i had a moment in my own relationship where because since i've been um you know since since that skinniest time before mentioned skinniest time <laughs> um i was probably i've probably gained between 15 and 20 pounds i'm not ashamed of it most of it went to my titties what's wrong with yeah, that no, you look and great. a little bit there but that's just happy and I've, i was born with that yeah um and uh And I've, I've been working on the concept of health as opposed to like attractiveness. Like what's, what's attractive is a healthy person, not a person who's like riddled with tumors and starving, you know,
1: and a vibe like people who are just like happy and uh, who are doing their thing. Like not people who are like, no, I can't have that cheesecake because it's like people who can go out and be like. Yeah, I'm gonna have this cheesecake because I wanna and we're having a good time. It's you know? so
0: exhausting to be around people that are like constantly Yeah,
1: that's not attractive.
0: It's not attractive. On the other hand, I started to verbalize my insecurities in my relationship. And mm-hmm. so I would be like walking around my little bedroom and I would say something to to my boyfriend, like, um, I can't remember what I'd be like, Are you gonna are you gonna love me when I'm like you know really fat like i would like test him and finally one day he said why do you keep questioning my love and attraction for you don't you believe it and that was kind of an eye opening moment of like oh i'm i'm verbalizing something and it's not you know it's it's not helping him it's not helping me yeah and and part of our relationship sometimes is you know you part of all relationships there should be a certain level of encouragement but one shouldn't rely solely on that other person for growth, like yeah. that kind of encouragement it's not but there was a point in my relationship where i was like "Baby, you gotta get a therapist i can't be the i can't be the keeper of this yeah you
1: he know he did that too yeah he was like you gotta go back to therapy because i can't yeah do this um yeah it's, it's hard and I, I would constantly do this thing where I would constantly joke about like when I get fake titties because I really want fake titties and I always <laughs> be like when I get fake titties to a point where I, I almost felt like I was reassuring him like don't worry one day I'm going to have tits like it was like I just I was so like convinced that he couldn't possibly be attracted to me the way I am right now no matter how much he would convince me I was like no you just like love me so like which <laughs> doesn't make any sense like if he loves but I'm like I felt like uh I felt like the way I would talk to my mom like you have to say I'm beautiful, you're my mom, you know that's how I felt about my boyfriend, but that yeah. doesn't make any sense, like if yeah uh, I don't know, no, I get it, I get it, it's like no,
0: you're you're invested right, like you you know like our stuff is in this we are still in the lease, yeah, you know, um you know i I once said that to my boyfriend, I was like, are you gonna are you going to, I was just joking and I said something like, are you going to break up with me? And he just said, "Nah, we're on the lease till February. And I just (laughs) laughed. I was like, oh, that was so fair. That's so funny. But like, it's, yeah, it's hard to shake that. And that, by the way, is an insecurity you can only go through in a relationship. Yeah. And there's, because there is none of that, that barrier there. and, have you ever looked up implant, like toxic implant syndrome? I
1: have. I've looked up everything having to do with fake tits. Like I've looked up before and after pictures. I've looked up the complications. I've looked up the price. I've looked up everything. <laughs> but yeah. It, I've, you still want them? <sighs> you know what? What's funny is I've wanted them since I was like 16. And I realized I wasn't getting tits in, you know, like yeah. they weren't coming in. And I was like, that's okay, one day I can just buy them. And that's just been a thing that's been in my head yeah. forever. I'm like, once I can afford them, I'm going to buy them. And then for the past, like, three weeks, I've been like, I don't think I need them. No. And I don't know what happened. Because I was dumped, And, like, usually that's when you're like, I want it. But, like, <laughs> this is. Gonna- <laughs> I took, like, a sexy picture, like, a month ago with, like, my tit out. <laughs>
0: Like one titty yeah
1: it was just like one t- i had like a like a like a, a spaghetti strap tank top and it was just like boop like a very like <laughs> like, a, like it was just like boop and then uh i i took a picture and i was like you know what it's small but it's like a cute ass titty like it's very like yeah like boop like the nipples very like cute and yeah. like whatever and i and it was such like a, i just thought i looked so bomb in the picture that i was like maybe i don't need them and uh it like no one's ever complained no about although one time I was hooking up with this guy and he was he was like he said something like oh yeah you're big tits and I was like and I literally just laughed and went what I have no tits like why would you say that and he goes yeah what's up with that <gasps> penis
0: inside you this conversation happened
1: <laughs> no it was like foreplay kind of oh okay like he was just like oh yeah like i love your big tits i would just shoot them out if they were like no now's not the time to agree it, I, just, <laughs> I just thought it was like such a weird thing to say while he was like great like oh you're big t- like i know they're not big like why would you say like at, at least be honest about like to say i love your like people have said i love your small titties and that's great but like why would you say i love your big tits all
0: titties are good titties <laughs> yeah no, yeah, you're right. And it's the summertime. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if you have smaller titties, you don't have to wear a bra. I never wear a bra. You never wear a bra? No. I'm not wearing a bra right now. Oh, my God, Nicole. Okay, first off, <laughs> let's, just talk, let's just weigh the pros and cons here. Now, if you have fake boobs, you don't always have to wear a bra. Yeah, because right? they'll stay up. Because they'll stay up. However, let me tell you, bra like a good quality bra costs between 50 to a hundred dollars yeah well i'm not tried
1: tried to get those like ones that like push you up two cup sizes but even those don't work for me because i have so little to push up
0: i once bought one just for fun and it was the funniest because
1: <laughs> like, i have like a d cup on my own if you're already like it,
0: it was literally the funny i was i wore it for like cosplay like mm-hmm. i wore it to be Leela for halloween and it was yeah. just like he, like it was it was a dog the bounty hunter's wife amount of breast region i just
1: want to know like what it feels like to have that for like a little while like i just want i just want like popping titty for like I just you want to trade sun. titties because
0: yeah, i want to not I wear a bra in public like that would <laughs> that would really help my neck it would really help my shoulders
1: that's another thing why i'm like why i've been questioning like maybe i don't need because t- i already have such bad back problems and shoulder problems that it would like i've been i saw I didn't like see a chiropractor. I saw my friend who just graduated from like chiropractic school and she kind of did an adjustment on me and then she get, cause I was talking to her about how I want to get fake tits and she was like, oh yeah, that'll fuck up your back if you don't do the right exercises. Mm-hmm. So she literally gave me exercises to prepare for getting titties. That's so funny. Yeah. Titty exercise was a lot of push ups. It's a lot of like, um, <laughs> You it's weights and you got to do like Ts and Ys with your arms. Oh yeah,
0: because you this area here has to be yeah it has to be strong. Weird, yeah, it's
1: working out these sh- like these shoulder, shoulder blades back here to keep so everything back and down. Back. Yeah, so Which a lot of a, a my lot of my is day garbage. is like.
0: Doing one of these.
1: I've been trying to be so conscious of that right now. My posture. Am mm-hmm. I going to make this podcast take forever? Because I answer every question. No, I love like it. A million paragraphs? No, it's great. Okay. No,
0: First off, this podcast does take forever. You're like
1: surrendering. I'm like fake titties. Well,
0: we've, we've cleared two questions. We're okay, good. Good, good, good. So like with everything going on in your life, how do you how do you make decisions in your world? Like what's, what's that like for you?
1: Um, Especially right now. I talk through things with friends a lot. Mm -hmm. that's just what I do. I don't really, I'm very indecisive and I don't, I think I'm a, you consult the committee. Yeah. I think I'm a very, um, introspective person. And I think about things a lot, which is a good thing, but I think I overthink things a lot. And I'm, um, I am also a very. at the same time. I'm a very, and I'm working on this. I kind of let my emotions govern my life. I'm a very emotional person. I'm very up and down. Um, Is it that your feelings feel like facts or? Yep. Okay. And that's the thing that I'm working on is like being like, you are not your feelings and you got to let them come and then pass. Like you can't hold on to them. Right. Everything for me is either like I'll catastrophize things. Like everything's either like, I'm doing so great and everything is the best or yeah. like everything is the worst and my life is falling apart. And like when I'm in those states of mind, it's very hard for me to make logical decisions. Yeah. And so a lot of times, like I have a few friends that I trust and I consult and like people that, um, you know, I feel are a little more have been through more than me. I think I've, I've called you before yeah. and like, um, just so that I don't do something rash and emotional, <laughs> Right. I, I like to talk through things with either like my therapist or yeah. or my friends. Yeah. yeah. I think that's uh, the biggest way that I check myself. Right. <laughs> and make decisions because I'm uh, in my 20s and I don't necessarily trust myself to just make them on my own. Yeah. <laughs> my mom too. My mom is uh, a big... I think, support system in my life, and I always kind of run things by her. That's great. Yeah. That's great that you have that relationship. Yeah, I love my mom. She's the best. That's incredible. Yeah.
0: What's one thing you've learned about yourself that's been surprising so far?
1: Wow, um, oh, that's a hard question. Uh, Something I've learned about myself. I think that I have a lot more... I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I was. I think Mm -hmm. I have a lot more um, emotional strength than Mm -hmm. I thought I did. I think in the past few years, I've been through a lot emotionally and with my mental health. And I think that in if you had asked me like in high school, if I'd be able to get through all and come out the other side, I don't know that I would. And I was, uh, I don't know. I think I've just surprised myself with the, what I've been able to handle emotionally. Right. Um, yeah. Did you have a really incredible life? Yeah, I do. And I forget that sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I've been really lucky, especially in the past, you know, couple of years. Um, where i've you know i've been able to like do some really cool incredible things and um i fought through a lot of yeah emotional and and a a lot of pain um in order to get to that point but uh yeah i I really have um made some stuff of myself if that makes sense
0: (laughs) Uh i love watching you try to put on some self-esteem
1: right now you're just like no i can talk about my no it's i i try to i'm i have to constantly remind myself that i've accomplished things (laughs) because i get into this mode where i'm like i'm a loser i'm you know especially when when things just like are when i'm in just a little bit of a slump i'm like well i'm a loser nothing's ever gonna happen for me and i'm just gonna be whatever and i'm like no things have already happened for you and what you've accomplished in and the things last are currently three happening. and a half years you're yeah. 26 years old like you need to calm down yeah my therapist will do this thing where she'll be like where were you a year ago and like i'll have to like take her through where i was and a year ago because ju- a year ago i had not yet been on comedy central i had not yet had a writing mm-hmm. job i would was still sleeping with a very toxic ex i was on
0: an air mattress yeah (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. i was um yeah i just i was in a really bad place and then you know um i really pulled my shit together and got some stuff done and then uh and you know now i'm i'm back in a place where i feel like i'm going through a slump and i'm like oh no i'm back to where i was and i'm a loser and whatever it's like no you're not back to where you are right or where you were you're you have made so many connections and so much progress and, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, self-esteem is so hard. Like, how do you get that?
0: I don't know. I'm working on it. I mean, I am, I had to, I have, you know, trusted friends and people that I run stuff by too. When the fun house mirrors in my brain just start like all coming out and telling me lies and, one of the things we talked about yesterday that was so funny is talking about like different times in my life, and and there was a time in my life where people were doing really well, um, and I was not doing very well, and uh, and folks would call me and they would complain about their accomplishments, and we both laughed about how I just wish we lived in a in a society and worked in a field where it was okay to be like. I just want to call and celebrate with you because that's easier to digest as a person kind of on the outside than listening to someone's imposter syndrome tell, ask you to tell them how great they're doing. Does that make sense? Like, so there's something kind of exhausting
1: to that. So I try to remember. And like I'm guilty of that. Like when I'm accomplishing something or whatever, I've been like, I don't deserve this. Like I'm going to fuck it up. like, I've I've done that too. When people are like, "Why are you sad? You're getting to do all the things everyone else <laughs> wants to do." But
0: I think that's very uh, in our workplace and entertainment. I think that that's very um, that's very common and almost celebrated behavior. Yeah. Um. So what I try to do is I try to I try to be celebratory, or I try to when somebody compliments, even if I don't feel it, like if I don't feel like I did well at something, and somebody was like, "Oh, I love that," I'll say you're very kind because that's what they're doing is they're being kind. And I want to take that kindness in, Mm -hmm. but maybe something in me is still a little crusty over it. So I have to be like, okay, crust, like, (laughs) so, um, but yeah, I under, I understand that. I, I I definitely understand that, that, um, hesitance to celebrate oneself.
1: I've really been working on accepting compliments because I've noticed how annoying it is when I try to compliment someone and they're like, no, like whatever. So like, I've been like, especially, I used to do this thing, I remember the first time, so I I did a set and Ali Wong was headlining and I was so unhappy with my set. And I walked out and she goes, good job. And I just went, yeah, (laughs) walked away like, and I probably looked like such a bitch and I didn't mean it to come off that way. I was being hard on myself. right? But like, I, I probably came off as just like such a bitch. And I should have just said, thank you. Even if I bombed my ass off, which I didn't, I just thought it was a really mediocre set. And I wanted to do better in front of Ali Wong. And I was embarrassed. And so like, when she said that, I thought like, oh, if I accept this compliment, she's going to think that I thought I did really good when I didn't, you know, and like, but I should have just been gracious for the compliment. And that she was even saying anything to me like, saying, yeah. cause she didn't have to say that she couldn't yeah. just like, let me walk by. Yeah. Um, so like I, I more take it as like just being gracious for the compliment than like, you know, if I accept this, that means it's, true which that's not bad either but like uh yeah I've,
0: I've done the same thing i was i i did a guest spot with nikki glazer and i and i and she I compl- her so she's much. so nice and she <laughs> she complimented my set and and i said oh uh i i don't know what i said I was like, yeah, I had to reset a joke because the crowd was so good that I said a few jokes and they were just having so much. I was getting derailed and there's a a whole chunk of my act that requires like a few details to be in there. And I was like, hey guys, I got to reset. You guys are too much fun. I'm having to, i mean, the love's getting in the way of my brain. And so like I reset and they totally let me do it. And it was great. And it was, a you know, it was a, it was a good set. And the first thing I responded with was, yeah, you know, I had to reset that joke. Couldn't just take the compliment. Yeah. And I walked away and then I started to dwell on it. And, um, and I ran it, I I ran it by, by Stuart and he said, well, if anybody understands that it's her, you know what I mean? Like that most people under in our field understand how hard it is to take a compliment, especially from our predecessors or for people who are a little further ahead. Yeah. And, um, Even when I have the bizarre thing of being like just under five years, but also being at the age where a lot of really established comics are. So even at my age, it's still really tough to be like, yeah, like, yeah, you know what? It was a good set. It wasn't perfect, but I'm not perfect. Right. I'm never going to be 100% squeaky perfect on stage. I've just accepted that. I did too many drugs when I was a teenager. There's no way. Yeah. There's just no way.
1: <laughs> and it's, it's so hard not to, and Nikki's like that too. She's such a perfectionist and like, yeah. uh, she's very, yeah, she, I'm sure completely understands that.
0: But. but, and that's the thing is to understand that like there is some, a lot of times the person giving us the compliment, they're coming from a place of grace as well, mm-hmm. you know, cause they can see, I, I've, at open mics you i'm sure you've had this too where you'll be at an open mic and somebody will recognize you mm-hmm. but like you don't know them yeah all the time and um i've compliment i remember i complimented this guy set he didn't do great and and he was like Uh, sure and he kind of did the same thing he was like sure what yeah like you know and I stopped him and I said listen I meant that compliment because of the following reasons one I don't agree with your point of view but you made me laugh two you're working on a joke that's challenging and I can see that you're putting in the work and three this is an open mic
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) like that's what you should be doing there have been times where people are bombing and I can see like oh that's funny yeah that's funny
0: and they're doing and they're putting something together that's creative and interesting and that in six months is going to be a fabulous joke and I said stay in the pocket of that premise because that joke is going to work and work very well for you and then he was like oh and I was like awesome and he was like okay and still when I see that person they're like uh and I'm like good job and they're like uh but but I I think that it's it's as creative sometimes it's hard it's the same thing if um in uh uh ethnic communities uh mom or abuela will make food and you say oh my god this is so wonderful and they go it doesn't have enough salt and the rule is is you're not supposed to say like you're not supposed to agree that's there's a self-deprecation that comes with that
1: that's um, so interesting
0: yeah 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 so uh, I think that's a scene from the joy luck club I think oh yeah. I've not
1: seen that movie since I was a kid yeah but crying
0: <laughs> yeah the boyfriend was like yeah it could use a little extra salt and they were like <laughs> you know so um but yeah how would you say and you said you're an oversharer how would you say your level of honesty like authenticity is in your life
1: uh, I try to be as open and vulnerable and honest as possible. Yeah. And I think that I have i wasn't always that way. Um, but uh, I think in starting comedy, I realized how important that was to my self-esteem and feeling connected to people. Mm-hmm. And um, because if I'm very open and vulnerable about my flaws, my insecurities, what I've been through and there's other people that connect to that, um, that makes me feel more connected to people, I think. And um, I think also like trying to put on some facade like you're perfect or like everything's going well is exhausting. Yeah, (laughs) And I think that one of the most important things in my in um keeping my depression in check, and one of my the most important tools in my toolbox has been reaching out to people yeah. um because I didn't used to do that, and now I do it immediately. I reach out and I say, "Hey, like I'm not feeling good i need I need this from you or whatever yeah and um so I think really just being one hundred percent honest and and communicating how i'm feeling and what i need has been um a turning point for me. that's awesome Yeah, that's great and i think it it confuses people because i am like sometimes i probably do share too but like you don't yeah. have to share everything i <laughs> do that i do that too and it's yeah i i I don't think I'm that bad. Like I thought I was an overshare until like I went and bought something from CBS one day and in the time it took her to ring up three things, she told me about how she like went through her boyfriend's phone and was like... like- <laughs> like i've known this lady for 10 minutes and she's telling me like her life story and i was like wow i thought i was an overshare her
0: life story was longer than the receipt that she printed out
1: friends that you can talk (laughs) to like i'm i just want these notebooks and pens that i'm getting like
0: no she does not
1: but i think like you know on my podcast in my comedy that kind of stuff i'll say i'm an Mm -hmm. overshare but it's really just like i want people to with my like what i'm putting out there I want to be 100% honest with who I am. Right. Because that makes me feel... <laughs> it, it does make me feel good. In val- I think in a good way, it makes me feel good and validated when people when I'm putting out exactly who I am and people connect with it. Yeah. That makes me feel good. That's what makes me feel good yeah. about comedy. If I'm talking about my pain or something I've been through or an embarrassing story or whatever that happened, I'm being completely honest about something and people are laughing with me because either they connect to it or... They find the humor in it like that is a way of me feeling connected to the world of feeling connected to people. And that's, I think, really important for me, because I think when I was at a point where I just wanted to die, I felt very disconnected from everyone. I didn't feel like anyone would care if I right, whatever. And so it makes me feel. Yeah, very. Con- when I put out my podcast and people say like, "Oh, I really connect to this story," or like, "Oh, what's really- that podcast?" Let's go <laughs> ahead and plug that ups podcast. Hey, where can people get it? Uh, anyway, iTunes. Uh, I think uh being, You know where where you get all the things wherever you get podcasts. Just Google it. <laughs> um, Google it. Go but to- yeah, people like we interview people about their biggest screw ups in in their lives. Oh wow! And um, it, people come in with, you know sad stories uh embarrassing stories uh just financial screw-ups comedy screw-up every kind of story where they thought like oh no my life is over oh no my career is over right. oh no and then but it it never is you know no. they always get through it it always makes them part of who they are and that's the whole like point of it and you know we right. riff and laugh about stuff but that was the whole point of the podcast it's just like you go through these things and it's yeah. nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed or regretful about. It's things to be like grateful for. Yeah. And um, so that's that's what that is, and that's been very therapeutic because I've talked about all my shit on there. Like, right, that right, is, right, right. I way overshare on that podcast to the Yeah. the point where like I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot. And, yeah, yeah. People, I think some people are very p- perplexed by my, my like overshare. Like uh, even I was judging Roth's battle a couple weeks ago. And I made a joke hitting on one of the attractive battlers or whatever. Yeah. And they were making like heroin addict jokes about him. And I like made a joke hitting on him. And then they laughed and I was like, I'm going through a breakup and heroin addicts are my type. Okay. Ah. And then like Moses was like, these are facts. And I was like, it'd be funnier if you knew me. And like, you know, we were all laughing and joking around. And then I was talking to Dave Deary after and Jeff Ross walks up and like he was me and Jeff are friends so like I talked to him about stuff and he was like you know how are you doing and I was like you know I'm just going through a breakup and he's like I know you told everybody and I was like like I could tell in his voice that he he's just like and it's happened with like um like my suicide attempt too when people started making jokes about that I remember him asking me one time like how do people know about that I'm like well I'm very open about it and like I think that that just like doesn't that's very perplexing to him because he's very like He's not, like, a, his comedy isn't, like, super no. about his life. It's not super personal. He right. doesn't open up about even, like, his, you know, beliefs or, like, he just, he's very, like, you know, he's yeah. silly and he does comedy. And he, he's silly. A, he's a more private person. Yeah. And I think I perplex him. Like, he does not understand how i can be so honest and so open and like really put my shit out there right and uh i was like should i have not have done that he was like oh, i don't know It's just like and um you know like after i think he's starting to get it i'm like i just try and be as like open and vulnerable yeah. as possible because i think that's what's funny about me yeah i,
0: I mean my comedy is very much the same way yeah. and um and, and I try to be celebratory in the honesty and the vulnerability right. and, and try to give it a positive, not a positive spin, but instead of being like, Oh, my body is broken. When I talk about my, my tumor uterus issues, I talk about how I made fun of people with it, or I talk about uh, how it made me magical or something yeah. like, and, and to look at, look at the silver lining, but I have to be honest about the thing to get there. Yeah. And sometimes I look at, one-liner comics or comics that are impersonal in their material. And I, and I look at them in that same way of like, Oh, what is that like? Yeah. And there's uh there's one comic I wrote into her and um she's like, it just a, Oh, a, a one-liner comic. And she does very well. And you know, people really enjoy her. She just moved to LA. She's killing it. And, um, And she'll say, like, how are you doing? And I will say, oh, this, this and this. And I will tell her like a human thing. Like, yeah, I went to the gym today. I feel good. And I'll be like, how are you doing? And she'll be like, I'm fine. And then she'll ask the question she meant to ask, which is, where are you booked this week? (laughs) And then I'll say... Oh, um, I don't know. I'd have to look at my phone. Where are you booked this week? Cause I know that's really the conversation she wants to have. Right. And then she'll like get into that conversation. And then we just sort of like, it, it, I, I sort of become less and less responsive so I can tap out of the conversation because we're just speaking different languages yeah. and my vulnerability is not
1: clearly for her and her invulnerability is clearly not for me. I used to get so embarrassed in those moments cuz I'm very like if people ask how are you, yeah. I'll tell them. Yeah. And some people are very like uh you know uh, they they when I open up to someone, and I'm vulnerable with someone and then they are not that way back, I'm like, "Oh no." <laughs> like right, I'm, right, right, I'm right. like, "Oh no, like I like I feel, you know, it, it, I feel like I just like poured my heart out and then they just it 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 used to be embarrassing to me but now i'm just like you know that's that's how i am that's not how they are and that's okay
0: but everybody has awkward moments that's the other thing is when i have an awkward moment like i legit had an awkward moment the other week and that's how i can tell my anxiety recovery is going pretty well so i had a straight up awkward moment and if that were uh, six months ago to a year ago, I would still be thinking about it in a way that's very self injurious. Like I'd be really upset. Yeah. And I about two hours afterwards, I was like, that was really awkward. And then I thought, yeah, but that person's an awkward motherfucker too. Sometimes. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. He probably didn't think about it a second after that. And if he did, he was like, Oh, remember that awkward. It wouldn't. It's fine and i just like laughed it off i used to
1: and um i still do sometimes but like i was in a place maybe like six months ago to where i was just like over like every every time i would go to an open mic or a show or anything like every conversation i would have with someone on the way home i'd be replaying it like over and over again i'd be like what does that person think of me like uh Mm. i said this and they looked at me weird and so they probably think i'm weird and now they're going to tell everyone else I'm weird. and It's none
0: of your business when anybody thinks about you. I
1: love that. I, like, uh, I've heard that a couple times in the past few that, months.
0: That's a real 12-step thing to say. It's, it's none of your fucking business. I like that. Um, that's why I don't read anything. I don't read internet comments. Oh, that's
1: so hard. I don't
0: read... <laughs> um, yeah. And that was, that was actually a story that got in the roast battle world got conflated and people kind of became a little abusive with that story. But I, I confided in a friend like, hey, like I saw this video and um, uh, I got about three, three comments in because they kept spelling my name wrong on YouTube. Mm. And I was like, I was like, that one end Anna's a real stupid bitch, isn't she? <laughs> and then I just laughed and I said, you know, I, I call my sponsor right away. And uh, she just said, you're not allowed to read anything about yourself in print ever again. <laughs> and uh, and that's true. I haven't. And it's so
1: hard for me not to.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I've had some people challenge me with that and say, it's our business you know, to kind of care a little bit about the, what people think about us, but for my own no, mental, nobody
1: who is successful is reading that. Story. No, I had no. a conversation with Nikki about this. I was like, how do you not, he, you just like, don't, you just, can't. You you just, just don't, don't, you, can't. It's, you just don't. And well, what happened is I learned a lesson
0: a about that and B about sharing that because what happened was, is, you know, f- I, I told that person and then they told other people mm-hmm. and the, f- follow the consequent uh, the following roast battles people were taking those internet comments and screenshotting them yeah. and tagging me in them yeah and so i would like open my phone and i'd be like hey like i i just said that's not something i want to read yeah. so that much more felt like an attack but what what i learned from that is i don't even have to read that like I would see it and it, you know, it's very clearly YouTube comment and I'd be like, Oh, well this is somebody who's not going to be my friend after this battle. And I would just put my phone down.
1: Yeah. Because they've stopped doing it. Yeah. I don't know why people do those like pre battle. Like what it like, why do you have to do that? Like (sighs) I stopped doing it very early on. Yeah. And, when I post about a battle it's like wow this is my friend I'm really excited about it the only person I did just because yeah. I thought it was really funny was Robin Tran because I went to her Instagram and it was like 50 selfies of her and I just screenshotted that and I said I'm gonna battle Robin Tran um something like I don't know for her, her uh, self-esteem can take it she's very like very, she's obvious that that again, I get
0: I think the last one I did was a um Uh, it was uh, Mike Feeney from New York. And it was, he, I, I, because I'm very detail oriented when it comes to battling and I was listening to his podcast and it's very successful. And um, I think they did a live one on Skank Fest this weekend. And, um, and it's called the Irish goodbye podcast. Give it a listen. But there is an episode where they're talking about our upcoming battle. And he says, his him and his co-host say a string of the most misogynistic shitty things which in person he would never say that like he was very kind and his girlfriend fiance wife I don't know who she was she's very lovely he was a class act in person and I really want to stress that sometimes you put a microphone in front of someone they just really uh, shit that that what like wow (laughs) wow sir you should it happens on this podcast sometimes people will be like you need to edit out like 75 minutes of that podcast I'll be like all right I got it um um, but so, yeah, so they said something and um, and I was very sick. That was the other thing. I was very sick in the time. So I was like very tunnel vision, very upset, very hurt, like physically in pain all the time. And um, and I wrote, I, I tagged a picture of Jerry Kirshner because he does look like Jerry Kirshner and I was like, you know, Rose battling this person tonight, also go to their podcast and give them a negative review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he messaged me and he was like, that hurts my business. And he was right. And I, and you know, I apologized. I, you know, I made amends, I took it down. But um, I think that was the last time. And that was because when I hit, I realized I couldn't do it in fun. Because when I hit that person back, I hit their bottom line. Yeah. And there is a line for me, I go from like, ha <laughs> ha this is funny to like almost say something to you that is gonna fuck you up for years yeah. and like that's that's not appropriate for me to that goes against my integrity to be that cruel to somebody else so shout out to mike finney give their podcast um a five-star review and say anna told you to do it it's called the irish goodbye podcast And they're i'm sure they're very nice gentlemen i haven't met the other one but you know, sometimes you're in gross battle. You take that shit too seriously. Yeah. Sometimes you get mean. Yeah. And Robin's like robin's instagram does have a lot of pictures of herself it's real cute <laughs> it is
1: cute. she, well, she was, real cute she I killed I loved, killing it too. i'm I so proud of her. her it was uh, you could tell it was all the same selfie session like it was all like it's the oh same she had an outfit and she's like Mm-mm. she had like one and good I, day she was like and mm. i loved it but it was just like funny to me to be like so i don't know cute. if her self-esteem can take it or whatever. and robin's the bet we message each other all the time now because like uh Robin after, is i had great. so much fun battling her and i think she's so good and we, and we were in a writer's room together and yeah yeah uh, I love her. She's great. And I think uh, also she's she's also someone who's very open. (laughs) Yeah. And she's someone that I very much even though I think a lot of people are like, probably like, Oh, she posts too much about her depression or she posts too much about like her mental state. But like, I relate so much to a lot of the things that she posts and it makes me, it does make me feel like less alone to read what she's saying. Cause I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I've definitely felt that like,
0: yeah, you know, and Robin's a gem and there's that mutual respect there. You know what I mean? Like, and for whatever reason it is just exhausting. It's time consuming. You got better things to think about. Yeah there was definitely like a ritual and a culture to like the day of event and like,
1: yeah. Well, now that I like, I'm not really doing it anymore. They made this like group that for people to like set up potential battles, like for people to post like, Hey, I'm looking for a battle, like whatever. And I was looking at it (laughs) and there's this one guy, Los digits who has a, I kid you not an actual real tattoo where he has like RB tattooed on his neck. I mean, he's a battle rapper. Like, he's uh, an insane person. He has, like, RB tattooed on his neck and then tally marks of, like, his wins. No. I swear to God. And he's like, who wants to be the next tally mark? And I was like, oh, my God. Bless his soul. You were taking this way too. that. Like, it just, there becomes this culture and it's like, you realize this is, like... It's a dumb game. And I wish I I
0: would have... I wish I would have been better at understanding that. I needed some separation.
1: Yeah, it's a way to like, showcase. Oh, it's just a fun game. It's a fun game. It's a way yeah, to showcase like, hey, I'm a good writer. Yeah. That's why the last battle that I did before I mean I went on the road with them after this and then that was like my last hurrah or whatever. But my last battle in the belly room was with Greg Roquet and it was a rematch and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have fun with this. And I decided to do I did like all jokes about that like that seemed like they were going to address the wheelchair and then they didn't address the wheelchair. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to be like, this could bomb like, cause it's hard to not, when someone's in a wheelchair and you're making no jokes about the wheelchair. Yeah. But, um, I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to do something that I think is fun. Something that showcases what I can do. And fuck it, if it bombs, it bombs, and this is my last, like, whatever. Who cares? And it went so well just because I decided I was just going to have fun with this like silly concept of like being like, uh, you know, Greg had a horrible accident resulting in that haircut, and that was like every every joke was like that, where it was like I seemed like I was going to address it and then I didn't, and I had so much fun just like doing that because I was like, it's just a way to showcase. Like, I none of the jokes were really even me. Like, I I was like, This is I just want to show what I can do writing wise, right? And I stopped going into it wanting to win, and um, but I just got tired of being called ugly. So, it happens, but I I like that it gave me the opportunity to show that I could write because I wouldn't have gotten my writing job without it. Yeah,
0: it's, I mean. Everything happens for a reason and every every moment leads to the next thing and the truth is is you're not ugly and it's perfectly okay to value yourself and it is okay to look at to look at a thing and say well I've gotten as much as I can get out of this yeah growth wise yeah it is an exchange
1: but if anyone does roast battle that is listening to this yeah don't take it that fucking seriously yeah do not j- gonna tattoo fucking have fun tally marks yeah the, what are you doing have fun just have fun <laughs> that's so insane to me that is that's like, a lot even, bless his heart I feel like that's not even something like an mma fighter would do like they're just so insane yeah
0: yeah um it's a, it's a beautiful thing i um what is one thing, how, what is your experience of fear and anxiety? So you're walking through a lot of fear right now. Like what is your experience of that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know what? I was never really an anxiety person until I started to work on my depression. Like when hmm. when my depression got better, anxiety kind of became the thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that that probably half had to do with at some points, the medication I was on, I think it, the, some of the antidepressants I've tried have kind of, um, there was one that sped up my heart rate so much that it was like double what it was supposed to be resting. Whoa. And that one I had to get off. That was when I had, that's, that was when I tried to kill myself was when yeah. I was on that medication. But, um, do you need to adjust your chair for comfort? No, I'm trying to, I'm, uh, my back. <laughs> okay. I got you. Feel free to uh, move, do whatever you want to do. But I, i at one point did start to like when i was on antidepressants i still am but different ones i started to have panic attacks um and then definitely just being in the comedy community when i started to get a little bit of success um mm. that was when the anxiety really started i was like what does everyone think of me do, do people think i don't deserve this um now I, now every well, time because
0: <laughs> people to be okay I'm sorry I interrupted you finish your thought I'm so sorry (laughs) no it's okay I I had the exact same experience and to be fair you're not crazy because I had people walk up to me and tell me I don't feel like you deserved that I had people in my life saying things that were getting back to me yeah like and I think that it is hard when you're around a lot of In Spanish, there's a word called chisme, which is like gossip. But Mm -hmm. like you're saying things that are when there's a lot of chisme going around and a lot of jealousy, it is hard not to activate your anxiety. Yeah. Especially when folks had supported you. I realized this. I was like the core of my hurt during that time in my life was that I trusted a handful of people in my life. Yeah, as mentors and instead of teaching me how to ride the wave Mm -hmm. I felt I was pushed under the water now I don't know if that was feeling or fact I'm still figuring that out but that is a big that can activate especially if you've never especially if you've never had anxiety before that can really activate it
1: I also think like when mentors become your peers it's a very anxiety inducing thing like right you don't have I didn't I felt like I didn't have that um that cushion of like being the new uh like i i'm still new i'm very new to comedy i'm uh in october it'll be four years yeah Um, first five years we're babies yeah but i i felt like when when i started to get stuff that i wasn't just kind of like the new uh like open mic like it just like uh, i didn't the shift yeah you know it was just a shift in like oh now people are expecting things from me yeah like every time i went to even an open mic i felt like if i'm not funny people are gonna think i don't deserve the things that i'm getting or like just i felt so much pressure to prove myself that that's where the anxiety started um, really coming in uh i think more of fear with fear i think um Rejection has always been a big thing for me. And Mm -hmm. that ties into the self esteem thing. I have always been like so afraid of rejection. It's always hit me really, really hard. I do not handle rejection well. Mm. Um, as far like even before I started comedy, I remember applying to colleges and um I remember getting into UCLA and being so happy and being like, Yes, this is where I wanna go and fuck all the other schools I don't care but then I got a rejection letter from Berkeley and I cried for like and I was like why am I crying I wanted to go to UCLA anyway <laughs> but because like Berkeley didn't think I was good enough I was like why doesn't Berkeley want me <laughs> like, That's so funny. and with relationships if I get broken up with rejected I take it very personally it's not like oh I wasn't a match for this person it's like oh I wasn't good enough for this person I was I'm not attractive enough I'm not funny enough I'm not whatever why am I not good enough for this person which I think is normal
0: but probably with depression and anxiety that heightens
1: absolutely yeah and so rejection is a huge fear of mine and not being good enough is a huge fear of mine right and I think fear prevented me from going for a lot of things and even again even in school I'm in high school I got really good grades um on tests but I would straight up not turn in homework because I would be like, this isn't good enough. And like, I'd rather not turn in at all and get a zero than my teacher read this and think I'm retarded. I mean, dumb or...
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean to say retarded. No, that's Sorry. okay. We'll figure it out. <laughs> she, it's, it's not... It's
1: uh, we'll, 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 we'll bleep. I'll edit. I'll find that's it. That's the way I talk to myself. Sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> Is
1: this, it's, but uh, like, I'd rather
0: them... We're yeah. all growing as individuals and, and the, <laughs> honestly, in the last five years when we first started doing Rose Battle in the last five years, socially acceptable language has changed so fucking much. It
1: really is and the th- funny thing is I've n- I never call anyone else that word. I've only used that word to describe yeah. myself and that is um but yeah, like I I would never I'd rather yeah. like just not go for something than get rejected right. or someone think that it wasn't good or whatever so I think a lot of times like in comedy that has held me back because I won't there, there have been packets I haven't turned in because I'm like, well, I don't want their first impression of me to be this. Like, this is bad or whatever. They're
0: literally getting 500 packets. I mean I know. <laughs> it, would be, it would be real rough for them to be like, wow, this was... Yeah. <laughs> like, it would have to literally just... They would have to like open it up and their computer would have to be riddled yeah. with viruses there have been, in order for
1: them to remember your name. There were times where I was canceling shows because I was like... I did the, I, I had so much anxiety about failing and like, um, I just, uh, it was really holding me back. And this year has been the year where I really decided I was going to work on that. And Yay. I, I've tried to see rejections as milestones. <laughs> like I've tried, yeah. I'm, I'm like going for rejections. Cause I know if I get a certain number of rejections, one's going to be yeah. an acceptance. Yeah, the more you the more rejections you have, the better chance you have of an acceptance.
0: And it, it's super not personal, by the way. It's just like maybe you're not the right person for the job. Have you ever gotten a job that you shouldn't have gotten? Like you magically got a job that you shouldn't have gotten. And it was
1: no. OK, um, but I because I've never gone for something that I was not. I, I Someone quoted something once never go for a job that you are perfectly qualified for. Okay. Because then you're not reaching. You're not going outside of your comfort zone. You're not um Yeah. But I've I've always like under I've never gone for something that I okay. didn't know what I was doing. Okay. And my first writing job, that was very uncomfortable, but, uh, killed that shit. So
0: (laughs) I, I, and I just forgot, I was like, Oh, I had 10 years of jobs before I came into comedy. So for me, my last
1: job before that was Starbucks. So it's like, I haven't had, I worked at Disneyland. (laughs) I haven't had any big girl jobs except for that writing job.
0: It, it, I, I tweeted this once, but I can walk into a comedy club and I can know exactly who's had a regular job ass job and who hasn't yeah just by looking at them i'm just like oh the way you carry yourself is very interesting in this situation and that is no that's no shade i wish i knew this was i wish i had the self-esteem to have dreams to try to achieve when i was that age when i was your age i wish i had that but i didn't i had like subterranean self-esteem it was like the mole people there then my self-esteem and then the core of the earth yeah so i i get it i get it um what is one thing about yourself? And this is not an opportunity for you to beat up on yourself because I love you and I care about you. What is one thing about yourself you'd like to change? Um, like a character defect situation.
1: Um, let me think. I think uh, I, um, mm. I mean, the fact that I do beat up on myself. Um, is something, but I think, let me think, a character defect that I would like to change. Um, I think I, I live in the negative a lot of the time. And I think that I'm, I can be kind of, uh, ungrateful and selfish. And, and, um, I just live in the negative so much that I, I think a lot of times I'll ignore uh, uh, people that are there for me or um, positive things that are happening in my life. I don't really practice gratitude as much as I should. And um, I think that's something I'm really trying to change because um, I don't like that about myself. I I think that um, because of that, I don't give the people in my life what they deserve. Um. What if you don't give yourself what you deserve? That too. <laughs> I yeah. definitely don't. I don't at all. Yeah, it's because I'm. I live in. I live in a space where, um, I think I'm just so, I'm comfortable being miserable. A lot of the times, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I've taken on. I was just talking about this with my therapist. Like I've taken on sad as my identity. Like, I don't know who I am if I'm not sad. (laughs) And um, I just don't think that's a healthy space to be in. Yeah. And I want to change that about myself. I don't want to live in that negative space. And I want to be comfortable being not even just happy, but content. Because I think sometimes when I feel content, I get bored and I'm very self-sabotaging. Yeah. And um, so I think that would be... Right. What I'd want to change. Yeah. Which I'm working on in therapy. So you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing the work. Yeah.
0: What is your experience of forgiveness?
1: Oof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think like a lot of people, um, a lot of it has to do with like family stuff okay. and stuff from childhood. Um, I've worked a lot on forgiveness. I think with my dad, and because I was like really resentful of things that I think a lot of the reason I am the way I am, especially like self esteem wise, is stuff like maybe he said or did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Not that he necessarily meant to, and he wasn't like a bad father. He was a great dad, but mm-hmm. he just um, now that I, like I think about it, because when you're when you're a kid, you see things so differently than when you look back as like an adult. Yeah. And like uh, now that I look back, I was like, well, my dad was 22 when I was born. And so he was just like a dude in his 20s. Could you like, imagine? Think of all the dudes in their 20s that we know having yeah. a daughter. <laughs> it's just like, that's what happened. That's insane. And um, so there were just like things that I held on to for a really long time. And um, I think my kind of first big breakthrough in experiencing like forgiveness is just kind of forgiving all of that and that uh really helped and also like talking through things with him but but yeah, just forgiving um and then also I guess um I'm working on forgiving myself for things that again, that's what the whole like screw ups is for. Yeah. It's just like we screw up and then you don't beat yourself up for it. You learn from it and you move on. Um but forgiving yourself, I think is one of the hardest things and not beating yourself up for things. Oh yeah. Um, I love a good shame
0: spiral. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what, that's what Stuart and I both call it. I'll be like, are you spiraling right now? And he'll be like, yeah. Yeah. And I'll be like, I I love, I, I got that from a roommate. She'd be like, I am in a full tilt shame spiral. I'm sorry. I ate all your peanut butter. (laughs) I needed something. You know, it's like, get, yeah, I, yeah, I get, I get that it. that
1: mode all the time. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's something I'm working on. Uh, but for God, forgiveness is, uh, for me has been the hardest with, uh, with the, not my last relationship, but the one before that, mm-hmm. that person has been very hard to forgive for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, th- it's, um, so important i think like it, holding on to anger is so exhausting yeah and for a long time i didn't know what to do with it. and i my body like turns anger into sadness i don't really experience anger the way i think a lot of other people do um,
0: interesting
1: i don't lash out usually i have before but I think for the most part, because my dad, he's very angry. And I think he does the opposite. He turns sadness into anger. <laughs> yeah. Um, he goes like, I'm sad. I'm going to take it out on you. <laughs> right. And like, uh, it, it's anger. And maybe that's like a man thing. Like sadness isn't like, I have to be like angry.
0: <laughs> no, I tend to, I tend to put a lot of like frustration, fear. I, I will, when I'm not working a good program, interpret those feelings into anger for yeah. sure um and then as time went on i started to interpret anger appropriate anger into anxiety and self hatred so now it's right. like this full circle kind of situation and um but i i do know i can express outward anger because i have scared <laughs> the bejesus out of people every once in a while because i go from being nice and uh, very um patient with yeah. people to like this thing you're fucking doing i don't like it don't do it anymore and they'll be like so yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't I've never I think if you ask like my last boyfriend who I dated for almost a year we lived together. I don't think I ever yelled at him. I never right. like cursed at him. I never like and like I just I don't experience anger that way because my dad did and I think I that always um I didn't want to be like that because mm-hmm. it hurt me and I didn't right. I, so now I'm like always afraid of confrontation and yelling right. and not like that stuff. So I take a lot of times I don't even realize when I'm angry, it takes me a while to realize that what I'm feeling is anger because I'll turn it inward and implode. Like if I'm angry at someone for hurting me, I'll turn that inward and be like, Oh, I must have been, uh,
0: I was uh, worthy deserving. of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I must've
1: been deserving of that. And you know, it it's a lot of times it wouldn't be till I was talking things through in like group therapy or individuals where they're like, well, didn't that make you angry that, that he did that? And I'm like, well, yeah. And they were like, <laughs> like, it just like, I have to process that I'm angry or else like I just implode. Um, and it takes, sometimes it takes me a while. And I hate that because sometimes I'll, I'll be like, Oh no, it's okay. Like I'll tell people it's okay. And then like a month later, I'll be like, you know, that thing you did a month ago. <laughs> really made me angry and I know I said it was okay but you know what it totally wasn't okay (laughs) and like
0: can I tell a personal story between you and I (laughs) yeah one time I remember you saying you didn't have enough money to feed yourself and I was like well come over and then a couple of days later, my refrigerator died and I had all this like weird food. I had like a bizarre combination of food in my refrigerator. And I was like, I'm going to try to make something out of this. And then, uh, so I was like, Hey, come over. I have all this food that has to be consumed. Yeah. And you came over. I didn't hear you come in. I like, I knew you knocked on the door. I didn't hear the phone. And you came running into my room and you were like, so-and-so spit gum in my hair (laughs) and for sure in front of my eyes was an adult person i care about with gum in their hair which is such a shocking image as an adult to experience and i was like oh god you have gum in your hair and i was like okay and and my first thought was why did it why the Fuck, did he spit gum in your hair? And you were like, oh no, we were just kidding around. And I was like, no. <laughs> no one gets around no if someone spit gum in my hair i'd hit them with my car i have a lot of hair you can't just do that like like i was just like i went back to this like ch- child place where i was like don't you dare spit gum in, g- gum in my hair or gum in my hair don't spit anything in my hair you know i was like i really was like upset because that's something that a has happened to every woman yeah it usually when they're children, yeah. but so rarely is an adult.
1: Yeah. And so you're trying to justify it I being do that. I okay. Everything for everyone else, except for myself. If I do one thing wrong, I'm like, I'm a uh, stupid fucking idiot. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm a garbage person. <laughs> I deserve,
0: I deserve everything. But there was just, I just remember that was being such a clear example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Of you just being like, yeah, I totally. It was fine. We were kidding around. I was taking <laughs> them on. I'm
1: like, What? I remember that, too, because he didn't mean to spit it in my hair. He was jokingly spitting it towards me. Okay, but, okay. And it ended up in my hair, and I didn't even realize it ended up in my hair until I got to your place. <laughs> and then I told him later, I was like, that gum that you spit at me ended up in my hair. He's like, no, I don't think that was me. I don't think that got in your hair. What? And was like,
0: because so many people spit gum at you on the regs. <laughs> and I was
1: That's- like, you spit gum at me, it disappeared, and then five hours later i realized there was gum in my hair and you think that was not you and he was like well weren't you chewing gum and i was like how would it end up from my mouth into my hair like no i spit out the gum in a trash can like a normal person (laughs) that's and uh, a very that's that is also a very good example of what he was like is he would do something wrong and then i would be like you did this thing. And you'd be like, no, I didn't. You crazy. <laughs> okay. That's
0: that's amazing. That's amazing. And um, by the way, uh, if you're listening to this and you have gum in your hair, coconut oil works way better than peanut butter to get gum out of your hair. Yeah, it works it's like a charm. works it's like great. a charm. I thought I was
1: going to have to cut my hair. I was so
0: sad. Uh, that was... <laughs> That was a very funny incident. You were such
1: a mom. You got the gum out of my hair. I showered at your place. I wore your clothes, and then you just cooked dinner for me. And then uh, you and Stuart were just like my mom and dad.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had like a family dinner yeah, in we my did. weird little
1: room um, in my house. It was literally
0: like that. Poor, that poor house was just like a hoarder's hovel. Yeah. It was just like so crazy. I had a similar. I had a similar experience. I was. We were outside in Norms. I think it was like after. Rose battle night and I was goofing about with two comics um and uh I usually wear this ring that my mother gave my what well, was my mother's and um we're goofing about and one of them makes a joke about how I'll take self I'll take other people's abuse and the other one says yeah it's like i could put a cigarette out on you and you would apologize i think that's what happened Mm -hmm. and then he took a cigarette grabbed my hand and pantomimed putting a cigarette out on me however he thought he pantomimed it incidentally he smashed it into that ring and the ring heated up and burned my skin Mm -hmm. from the cigarette and we're all kind of, there's a shocked moment mm-hmm. and we're all kind of laughing. And there's a part of me that's like, do not let out the angry rage monster right now. Yeah, Don't do that. Don't let these people know that you can be a Hulk. Um, and then the other part of that is I legitimately liked that person and didn't think that that joke would go so far. Right, And, um, and also there was a, the, the other person involved in this little rift triangle was very, is, is, was very codependently connected to that other person. So me getting mad at them would mean I got mad at both of them. It would just be the stakes would heighten. So my brain went through this instant filter and I made the quick decision, I'm just going to laugh this comedian putting a cigarette out on my hand essentially off right and i told my sponsor about it and she went what in the fuck (laughs) and i was like yeah i mean and i did the same thing i explained it i was like well it was kind of a riff it went out of control and And there's a thing that we say in in 12-step programs that uh, your motives count so like your motives really matter but sometimes even if your motives are good your actions are bad and you're still accountable for your actions so you need to kind of apologize and um and they didn't apologize they've never apologized about it um uh which is fine uh but it's it's fine (laughs) because no because here's (laughs) because here's why here's why here's why yeah um A few years, you know, flash forward two years or so, and I'm going through my own professional stuff and I'm going through my own, you know, roast battle success and consequent fears and feelings of rejection and all this stuff. And I'm like feeling on the outside of kind of my friend crew and my same sponsor said why are you chasing the friendship of people that once put a cigarette out on your hand and i laughed so hard i had to pull over my car Mm -hmm. because that was such a real moment for me i was like i completely forgot that happened and she was like yeah like that's a cult. Like, why are you chasing that? That's not worth chasing. Why are you chasing the affections of somebody who spit gum in your hair and then told you you did it? Yeah. That's funny. That's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, and I'm tra- sorry, my stories are going on too long. I'm relating no, to you very much. I, I understand. I, I no, you're not. This is
1: your, I'm interviewing <laughs>
0: you. These people don't need to hear my shit too I much. I think
1: I... I was just thinking about this in the car, in the car on my mm-hmm. way over here that I friendship wise and romantically chase the affection of very emotionally stunted people because oh, yeah. I think in my head if I can get that person to care about me, I must matter. Interesting. You like it. You see it as a challenge. I get like, yeah, I've always like if I see someone who like hates everyone and shuts everyone out, I'm like, ooh, I can get in there. Like, I bet I can get in their heart, and that means I matter, you know. Um,
0: I kind of get that a little bit. Yeah, my friend always tells me my favorite. I'm an extrovert whose favorite people are introverts. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, yeah, I kind of get, I kind of get that a little bit. I also just think for every codependent pot, there is a narcissistic lid.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: those people will find me. Yeah, I will find them and I will have a specific physiological attraction to companionship with this person, romantic friendship, professional. I'll get googly eyes. They'll get googly eyes. And I'm learning to identify that feeling and to be like, maybe three feet away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like maybe we should set up some buffers here. Yeah. But you, you, your interpretation of it is more,
1: I, yeah, I really do. And I think it, it probably stems from, like, my dad. I was constantly chasing his affection. Mm-hmm. And he was, in, in my mind as a child, I felt like my dad didn't think I was good enough or that I, like, I could never do enough to please him or that he, um, I was just always trying to get his approval. And I think he thought at the time withholding that approval was helping me because... Um, It was motivating um, Mm -hmm. to withhold his approval, but it just made me feel like my dad thought that I wasn't good enough and that I was unloved or whatever. And so I um, was constantly chasing that approval. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm still constantly chasing that approval from very emotionally stunted men who withhold their approval from you
0: <laughs> yeah your dad and my dad could totally go bowling they would have <laughs> such a good time. well it's orange county my dad liked to surf they could surf together like they would have a good time and,
1: well now that he's older and i've expressed this a lot mm-hmm. on podcast it's like the only way <laughs> I feel like the only way that I've been able to get through to him is by talking about it on podcast because he actually listens to oh. where um, shout out to
0: Papa Buchanan <laughs> if you're
1: listening. Love and, you much. Uh, we've had like a, we're very um, we're a lot closer now, especially because com- he's very into my comedy and stuff. And oh, that's great. I think he's definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't want me to have low self-esteem and he doesn't want me to feel the way that I do. And so we've kind of done a lot and he's been, uh, he's a lot more, um, readily, like he's very like, even this last, like, uh, I just didn't get a job that I was going for. And Mm -hmm. he was very like, uh, you know, even if you don't get this job, like, I'm very proud of you for putting yourself out there and for like going for it. And like, that's never something that I feel like I would have heard him say when I was a kid um in fact when i was a kid it was like you can't get that job you're not you're too lazy you're too this you're too that, oh. or whatever uh. you know? and so like Ew. there's been a huge shift and, and it's probably again an age thing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: also me talking about it and him not realizing it like i think i definitely think he thought that it was motivating when i was younger to be like you can't do this because in my mind i'd be like watch me and because i was going for his approval right. but he saw that as like oh i'm motivating her but for yeah. me it was like oh i have to work harder for my dad's love <laughs> right, um, right 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 so like i still get in that space in my romantic relationship and even in my friendships i'm like i want the approval of someone who seems like they'll never give it to me
0: i will out well especially with my parents being dead i i really outsourced my my family experience first in the workplace. Well, actually first in my romantic relationships, then in the workplace, then in my friendships. And as I've worked on those things over time in all areas, the effects of that lesson, it doesn't turn off like a light switch. Like any person with anxiety or depression would like that to do. And like a trauma history, you just want it to be like, click gone. But it does, it has changed over time for me in a very real way.
1: Yeah. And I thought at first I thought, cause this last relationship I had, it was someone who was very affectionate and very like you're beautiful. And I mm-hmm. love you. He was, he said, I love you. Like really? I mean, I mean the, the thing we, uh, we were very good friends for a long time before we started dating. So I think he had already had feelings for me for a while. So he had said, very, I love you very quickly. No one had ever said that to me before because yeah. everyone I dated refused to say it to me. And, <laughs> and so like, I was like, Oh, maybe I've overcome this. Like maybe I've overcome this, like whatever, because I had this relationship with this person who was very readily like giving me affection and approval. But at the same time I realized today, cause this is why I was thinking about it. I took so much pride in the fact that this person had not been in a serious relationship in 10 years, like since he was 19. And that he, I remember when we were just friends, he would always be like, I don't know if I could ever be in like a monogamous relationship. Like maybe if the perfect girl walked into my life, like then like whatever. And then somewhere when we started dating, I was like, well, I'm scared because you said that you didn't really see yourself like Settling down with anyone. he said Well, I said if the perfect girl walked into my life. And so like in my mind I just had this pride of like, ooh, I got him. You know what I mean? Like that's I a, was worth It's a pretty suave thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um he's very charming. Um but he's a nice guy. He's a very nice I guy. Met he's him. A he's, sweet guy. He's a sweet I guy. I love him very much. And there's no I like I said, it takes me a while to like process it. I yeah. I have I realized literally like last night because I've been saying like I have no anger, no animosity. I love him very much. And that's still true. I love him. And I think he's a great guy. And I don't think he did anything wrong by breaking up with me or anything. But I do. um, I have like. Uh, feelings of like hurt and I feel a little betrayed. And I think anyone feels that way when someone when you feel like someone was in love with you and then all of a sudden they're not. You just feel very like betrayed and and hurt. Um, High five for regular breakup emotions. Yeah. <laughs> Growth, girl. And it's not like an anger at him. I think it's just like a general right. anger yeah. that that happened. Um, and expectations that are now not being met. Like, I just had all these expectations for us that yeah. now are not happening. And there's anger there for sure. I, I keep saying there's no anger and no animosity, which there's no animosity. No. And I don't think he did anything wrong. And I think he's a very good person. Yeah. I love this person very much. Well, and I know he still loves me. Much love. Um, maybe not romantically, but he loves me. And, um, but there is anger and I'm just now kind of coming to that after, you know, two weeks, I'm kind of like, Oh, I am experiencing anger. And, um, I have to acknowledge that because like when I see him, I'm going to be feeling those things and I have to figure out a way to deal with that or whatever, take my space or whatever I need. So, What was I saying? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think that part of me did love chasing the approval or getting the Mm -hmm. approval of someone who had not been in a serious relationship since he was 19. And um, being that perfect girl, quote unquote, that walked into his life that made him want to be like, oh, I love you. And let's, you know, whatever. That made me feel so approved for a little while. And then my self-esteem started and I started to, you know, be, right. I still didn't feel validated. I still felt like, oh, there's no way you're attracted to me. You're probably going to break up with me. You probably want to be with that girl over there. Yeah. Um. But, you know, so I don't know. I don't know how to uh, to stop being that way. <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't have any insight on that. I have
0: to work on that as well, but I do think it gets better over time too. I think that's definitely just trusting that like, like when I first got together with my boyfriend, I was like, he looks like a goddamn Disney prince. I was like, do you do you know i look like if we were in a disney movie and we were both cast in a disney movie i would definitely be like a wicked stepmother or shut
1: up your esmeralda and you know it.
0: <laughs> i would be like a sister i i'm aware that like i that's how i felt yeah. and thank you i'm gonna take that in. i'm gonna take that in that's how i felt and um i even tried to write some jokes about it and the thing about it is that a, I remember him telling me, it was when he told me his um, celebrity crush was a much older woman, um, Diane Lane from Under the Tuscan mm-hmm. Sun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and I was like, oh, oh, he, that's his thing yeah that's his thing okay that's his thing and then and so that kind of made a little more sense and then just kind of understanding like attraction's a weird thing and you don't you don't know what obviously that person is attracted to you for whatever reason but also to understand that you can be attracted to you for whatever reason like I love my nose I love my big long bumpy topographical map nose I love it it's a big part of
1: my face Uh, it's it's i think big noses are attractive th- see i really do that's and maybe th- that's because i'm in for some reason like very attracted to jewish men <laughs> but
0: like um, hey you know what like that's like like there's got to be things about yourself like when you looked in the mirror and you were like you know what you took a picture you were like no, it was a good little titty yeah i like this titty
1: there's things <laughs> there's things about like a face or like whatever that like people think like oh that isn't attractive about myself but like there's stuff that gives you character and like i love a good like tooth gap Like a tooth gap is a cute people thing who have mm-hmm. a gap in front of their yeah. teeth like i know people who are very insecure about it and i'm like oh my god i think that's the cutest thing in the world like i love a good tooth gap
0: <laughs> yeah i mean shout out to anna paquin in that tooth gap yeah shout out to shout out r.i.p madonna's tooth gap
1: like yeah yeah i think if you have a tooth gap you should never get it fixed because i mean i guess if it makes you feel more confident but i think it's the most adorable thing when someone smiles and they have a tooth there's just things that give your face character like if you're too perfect Like, who cares? <laughs> I, love these, I love me some freckles. Yes. I love a freckle. I used mm-hmm. to... I had freckles as a kid that kind of went across, like, my nose <gasps> and, like, up here. So cute. And I hated them. And, like, the minute I could wear makeup, I wanted to cover them up. And now they're, like, gone because I'm older and they just, like, kind of went away. Yeah. I, like, I guess, like, during the summer, they'll still, like, kind of come out. But, yeah. But, like, they're not... Like, they used to be all the way across my yeah. face. And I used to hate them. And now I'm like, oh, I wish I had those back because that's so cute.
0: See? It's 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 all a thing of, like self- i think that's the real the real thing is like self-acceptance and self-forgiveness are so important yeah what is the weirdest apology you've ever made or amends you've ever made um. or hardest or strangest or funnest whatever most notable amends of note amends
1: wow um strangest as far as like what i'm apologizing for mm-hmm. well hmm. i don't know i don't know if anything i've ever apologized for has been that strange do you ever apologize for stuff that you shouldn't
0: have apologized for because it was completely time. unnecessary
1: all the time <laughs> i apologize for everything <laughs> No uh yeah, I, if, if some I'll find a way to make everything my fault, and it's because mm.
0: you know what I realized that was for me? It's control. I can control it if it's my fault. I can make it better if it's yes. my fault. but it's yes. not. And I it's a false sense of control. There's no way it doesn't go away. In fact, I make it weirder, and that person <laughs> probably will never see
1: the error of their ways.: Yeah. When I go through I think when I go through um, a breakup I apologize a lot because I think in that if I can if especially if I get dumped if I get rejected I find a way to apologize for something because I'm like um if I take responsibility for something I did or whatever then it yeah it does give me because I think when you're getting dumped there, you have no control you're heartbroken, yeah you're um there's nothing you can do to right. change their mind to get them back, you're going through all this hurt, and there's nothing you can do about it except for let time heal it right, but if you can find something to be like, well, maybe this is something I did wrong in the relationship mm-hmm. or maybe this is something that I can change mm-hmm. about myself mm-hmm if i can find that thing then i yeah i have some kind of control Mm -hmm. so like uh you ever
0: do one where it gets weird where you're apologizing for some shit you shouldn't apologize for and people just look at you crazy
1: um yeah i mean well that's just i guess with like social anxiety like if i i'll be like remember the thing that i said like a month ago. I didn't mean it to come off that way. Like I thought... <laughs> like I just... I yeah. And the, and they're like, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Oh, I did that with Brian Moses one time. Like <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, but like I remember like being like, I didn't mean to come off as arrogant when I said that. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that I said that. Like I didn't want... I didn't want you to think that I thought that like I deserved that or wh- whatever. Like, and he was like, I legit have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't remember that at all. and we're good, <laughs> it's fine. Um,
0: it's such a Jim Moses response. Yeah. He,
1: <laughs> what? he was like, I was probably high. I don't know. But, um, no, I, I do that all the time. I, I think about stuff that I said and I'm always afraid that it like came off the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I apologize for a lot, but Yeah, I'll also, I apologize for my depression a lot. I'll say I'm sorry for crying a lot. Um, That's, I think that's probably the thing I apologize for the most because I cry a lot and I'm sad a lot and I'll apologize for it all the time because I, yeah, I feel like a burden. I feel like I'm always sad. I'm not fun. I want to be more fun. You know, I don't want to feel like you always have to take care of me whatever so i apologize for that a lot and i remember i was hanging out with um my friend like last week and i was just crying because i was going through a breakup and i'm like bawling my eyes out should be crying we were trying to write for something it was historical roast we were trying to write um Mm -hmm. our set for historical roast and i'm just sitting there bawling and i was like i'm so sorry for crying (laughs) and he he was like nicole i don't want you to take the wrong way uh, you're very. Yeah, I love you with all my heart. You're one of my dearest friends, and whenever we hang out, I know there's gonna there's like a thirty percent chance you're gonna cry, and that's fine. <laughs> and, <I was> like, <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> I cry yeah. a lot, and I apologize for it a lot because I think people get very uncomfortable when people cry, and I'm very comfortable crying in front of people. But I know that that it makes some people very uncomfortable especially to see a woman cry yeah and uh so i apologize for it a lot i think and people are always like don't it's you're allowed to cry you're allowed to be sad it's okay but i think i always feel like such a burden um because i'm sad uh that yeah i don't know
0: yeah it's funny yeah yeah good public cry
1: yeah oh god I was talking about this to my therapist too. I was like, I think, is it like inappropriate that I cry in public as much as I do? And she's like, well, like, you don't want to be, you know, like, yeah. Well, what do you get out of it? I think like, I'm, I'm just not very in control of my emotions. Mm. I'm just not.
0: So there's no like premeditation there. Yeah.
1: And like, like you said, I take everything I feel as fact. And like, I'm not good at, I'm not good at, like being like okay i feel this way and that's okay and i'm gonna I'm like i'm like yeah i feel this way and i have to show it right now <laughs> like, yeah God. and there have been times where just like i'm going throughout the day and i want to cry and i want to cry and then i'll walk into like a, uh, they're like a, uh, i don't know i'm trying to think of like an example like I'll, this is a good example because this has never happened but like i'll walk in the place and i'll be like i'll order something and like we're out of that and i'll just be like Oh my God. Like, I like I'll just start crying and they're like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I just have had a really hard day. And like yeah. the person behind the counter is like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And, uh, that happens. And I feel like that happens to everyone. Yeah. Sometimes. You just feel it in a that strong way. That happens to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm constantly just walking in and confusing the Starbucks employees <laughs> by like just ah! crying because they're out of almond milk or whatever. But, um, it's really that I've gone throughout my day uh needing to cry and uh because i just i have to that's the most therapeutic thing for i just i think some people they're like i cry like once a year that's insane to me yeah
0: that's unhealthy
1: so much and i used to think it was bad like i used to think like this isn't normal but i think it's just the way that i let everything out anger happiness sadness crying is just my body's natural reaction to any of it. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like I don't even know why I'm crying. I just feel like I need to. It's a release for me. It's a stress release. Like after I cry, like my body feels looser. Like I feel like, "Oh, I was holding that in." Yeah. I don't know why. It's just like a I guess it's the coping mechanism for me to cry.
0: I do a meditation where it, it starts at the beginning of the meditation where she'll say, "If you feel the need to cry during this meditation, is completely healthy to do so and will help you raise your vibration to another level it means you're releasing something
1: I've done I've done yoga and at the end of it where you're like laying on your back and they'll say something like take a moment to check in with how you're feeling every time they tell me to check in with how I'm feeling I will start crying (laughs) I'm like
0: I mean, I do a thing in therapy. I've had therapists check me on this where I'm very good at reporting the facts, but I'm not necessarily great at telling you how I feel about those facts. Mm-hmm. Like I will say, and then this happened. It's it's a trauma thing. It's like, yeah. and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and they'll go, okay,
1: how do you feel about that? And I'll be like, I don't even know yet. I don't know. It's a third-person story. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I'm, tell- <laughs> I'm I'm telling a narrative. I'm a good storyteller. And the other day I went in and I just started talking, and I just burst into tears. Something had triggered me the night before, and I just let a bunch of stuff I'd been holding onto out. And I'm a big believer in a sad jams playlist, Mm. because
1: sometimes, you gotta cry. Yep. I've been crying to pinks 90 days. It's on her new album right Night. now. Okay. I will. I'll give it video a video is uh, just so sad. And um, yeah, i been crying to it. And it's, yeah, it's really like therapeutic. Like my mom's like, don't listen to sad songs. It'll make you sad. And I'm like, I need to be sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, watching a sad movie, my favorite breakup movie is, um, is, uh, uh, oh fuck! What's the name of that? Um, leaving, uh, leaving Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting too. Yeah, it's a yes. great, great movie.
1: Perfect. What's funny is I was watching that with my last boyfriend because I was because that's what I watched when I was sad about my other boyfriend. <laughs> my one before i've that.
0: had the overlap of like grief from a relationship it bleed into another relationship i've totally done that well,
1: well that's at, like part well, of your time, 20s well at the time we were friends like we hadn't started dating yet oh. and i was like i'm sad about this person oh. let's watch forgetting sarah marshall and we Great. were watching it together and Great so, like pod. yeah that is my favorite but yeah it's uh that was something i probably should have seen as like a red flag too that i was like yeah i was still trying to get, I, I was being consoled by a friend about another relationship. And through that being consoled, started a relationship with that person.
0: Yeah. uh, Emotional overlap breakups are, yeah. But that is, by the way, something that's very age appropriate, Mm. by the way. Yeah. Totally normal. Totally a lesson to be learned. Yeah. And, um, and I'm proud of you. You're brave. You're killing it. Thank you. And it's totally, again, it's totally okay, okay to cry. Like, when you were telling me that, I was like, oh. Like, if I were to want to fix it, what I would say is like, why don't you just schedule, like, 30 minutes a day to fucking cry?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, put on something sad. Yeah. Well, you know, watch those SPCA commercials with Sarah McLachlan playing in the background. Yeah. Like, get, do whatever you got to do to feel those feels.
1: Yeah. It be- It's become... Uh, it's it's a I think a lot of people think it's like a symptom of my depression but it's actually become like a coping mechanism for my depression it's just like I just need to because if I go and I like pretend like if I'm I just need to feel I need to feel and I need to yeah let it all out and then I'm good and a lot of time it also helps with sleep problems too because if I'm just like you you know you know that feeling where you you finish crying and then you're just like physically exhausted yeah that helps me sleep (laughs) yeah i cry myself to sleep all the time (laughs) i'm fine with that
0: (laughs) get your get your cry on girl what's one thing aside from crying uh what's one thing part of your daily routine that you do to take care of yourself like what's part of your self-care routine um your day-to-day
1: lately so I think I neglected a routine for a really long time and that's why I kind of fell backwards as I was just kind of like
0: wake up so easy and to then do. be like,
1: I'm just going to go back to sleep because I have nothing to do today. Especially when, cause like I had a writing job and then that ended and then I had no job and then I was do comedy at night. So when you have no routine during the day, like it's so easy to be like just so depressed. Like, cause yeah. you're, you you're just like, well, what do I have to do today? I'm just going to lay in bed or watch TV or, you know whatever and so um i i neglected a routine for a really long time and i think now because you know going through like the hurt and the heartbreak i'm like well i need to distract myself or else i'm going to just i just have to feel this and that sucks yeah <laughs> which feeling is okay but like you can't just like wallow all day in yeah you gotta grief, brush your teeth you know? and like walk outside
0: every once so in a while. what's
1: been really helpful is getting back into a routine so i think I've been trying to work out and I think that's been really helpful. Um, and then once a day, reach out to a friend in some way. I've been getting really into phone calls. <laughs> I used to hate talking on the phone. I used that's to hate it. Question.
0: I ask people at the beginning of friendships. Are you a text person or a call person?
1: I used to be a text person okay. because it made me anxious to talk on the phone. Okay. And cause I, couldn't like when you text you can think about what you're gonna say you know and you Mm. can like mull it over and like uh craft a response and whatever Mm -hmm. but i i started to have friends who started calling me a lot joe dosh is one of those people Mm -hmm. he'll just call me to check in sometimes um yeah, and I just started to have these, and then I noticed like how much better I would feel after just like maybe like 30 minutes to an hour of just like talking to a friend. And um, so I think that's become kind of part of my routine is like if I'm feeling, you know, down or set, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to call a friend today. Right. And so I think that's been really helpful too. Um, exercise and phone calls. I love that. I love that. Part of my self-care routine.
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a call person too. And yeah. I remember when I have a really good friend, um, Jared, shout out. He's been on the pod. I love Jared. Uh, when he, um, when we first got together as friends, I asked him, are you a text person or a call person? And he called me right away. Mm. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm on a treadmill right now. And he was like, oh, okay. And we just like talked while I walked on the treadmill. And yeah. Um, now we're like gym buddies and, you know, hang out all the time. And, I I probably don't go a day without talking to him. Like it's weird if we don't talk to each other. And I think that that is, uh, it's valuable. It's, it's important to have connection with people in your life. And it's, it gets very easy to be very acquaintance oriented with most of the people in our lives.
1: Yeah. And that makes me feel really lonely. Yeah. When I, there are times out here where I feel like, yeah, everyone's just kind of like an acquaintance nobody really cares like it, you get in that mode where you're just like you feel so alone even when you're surrounded by people mm-hmm. and I think calling people has helped that for me and Absolutely, like yeah. Um, so yeah I think it's really important to have like close friendships where you're you know checking in on each other even if it's not like all the time when I yeah. get a phone call from someone I haven't heard from in a while, like it makes me so happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh, yesterday Connor called me and I hadn't talked to him in like a month. Mm-hmm. And like we talked for two hours and I felt Aww. so much better after. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I was just feeling very disconnected from everyone and trying to deal with all this like pain on my own. And because I think when you get out of a relationship, you realize like that was kind of your whole, not your whole deal, but mm-hmm. like, you saw especially when you live with that person you see them every day that's the person you go to when you're sad yeah that's the person you talk to when something cool happens Mm -hmm. so then when you lose that person you're like oh no yeah (laughs) this cool thing happened i know one to tell about it or like um i'm sad who do i talk to about it and so it's just you have to when you're going through those rough times, you have to find the people that you can reach out to, even if it's someone you haven't talked to in a while. And it can feel good to reconnect with someone that you haven't, yeah. you know, talked to in a while. Yeah.
0: And it, it's nice that folks are reaching out to you going through a hard time. You know, like I've experienced both things. I've had folks reach out to me and then I've had hard times where folks didn't.
1: Yeah. Where people, and I, it's and, hard and it's, it's tough. Sometimes the people closest to you are the people who I was talking to this with my friend, divina the other day so, like you notice when you go through a really rough time sometimes the people who are really there for you are people who aren't even really that close to you right and i don't know if it's because if they're really close to you it's more difficult for them to deal with i don't know well what i realized for me
0: is that um a lot of people just didn't know how to show up for me yeah I think I think people know how to deal with breakup pain and like certain types of pain. They didn't know how to deal with what the type of pain I was going through. And I think that sometimes folks don't know how to show up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it make um people get uncomfortable
0: yeah. with
1: that kind of stuff. Yeah. And or they feel
0: guilty or just whatever right. their BS is. Or if
1: like <laughs> <laughs> Or sometimes there's really nothing like you said, they don't know how to show up for you. Like there's nothing immediate they can do to fix thing i think especially guys they just want to like fix everything right so if there's nothing they can do to fix the problem then they don't know what the fuck they're supposed to do and it makes them very uncomfortable right um that happens with my depression a lot and especially in relationships they're like what can i do to make you happy what can i do to fix it and it's like no just like be here <laughs> like it's yeah, fine. <laughs> you can't fix it. It's just going to suck for and a while. So, yeah. A lot of my closest friends are men and I think a lot of times they get very uncomfortable with um certain things that they can't do anything about, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. What's yeah. your relationship with a higher power? You know, I um I used to not believe in anything right like i was like you know we're all here and then we rest in dirt and um there's no such thing as um like i didn't even believe in like i wasn't even like spiritual like i had no like i was like there's no cosmic plan uh like i used to hate when my mom would say it, i guess it just wasn't meant to be like I'm like no, like if you want something to happen, you make it happen. Like it no. just, I I hated that. Like
0: you can put in the fork- work, footwork, but you can't control the
1: outcome. She would say it for everything. Like if we wanted to get ice cream as a kid, and we went and the place was closed, she'd be like, "I guess it just wasn't meant to be." And I'm like, "No!" Then we go to a different ice cream place. <laughs> like, like, if if this place is closed, we go to a different ice cream place. You just say we just weren't meant to get ice cream. It made me so mad. <laughs> but, and um, I have all like these friends who are like, yeah, just like the the universe. And I'm like, fuck the universe. Like, that's not a thing. But I think um, the more in the past few years I've started to, I don't believe in like a, any kind of religious God, like any kind of like, I don't have a religion. I don't believe in mm-hmm. any religion sp- specific God or whatever, but I definitely believe in like something bigger than us. Yeah, And um, I do think that, like, it is comforting at least, even, even if it's not true, it's a comforting idea that, like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And I've started to see that more and more in my life where, and maybe this is also just practicing gratitude, but, like, you know, things where, like, something terrible happens or you screwed something up or um like you went through a point in your life where you thought you weren't going to get through it or whatever and then it leads you to something like we're always exactly where we're supposed to be Mm kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that's a very comforting idea like the pain you're going through now is because it's leading you to something later yeah and um that's a comforting thought. So I've just kind of learned to, while I used to be like, ah, oh, fuck that shit. None of that shit is true or like whenever it, it's been really uh, helpful to me to, to just kind of surrender to that idea that, um, yeah, the, 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 everything that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at every moment because there's something bigger at work or yeah. whatever. It's a, it's, I've just learned to take that as a comforting thought, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I don't really pray um, Mm -hmm. or like do any kind of religious anything. But uh, yeah, I definitely believe in, in something bigger than us. I think to not is a little, I don't know. Like what, how is, how can this be it? (laughs) Like that doesn't, (laughs) make any sense it uh there's got to be more i guess
0: i don't know what it is and i'm totally comfortable with that
1: yeah yeah i think that's uh yeah that's where i'm at too is just there's no way any of us can possibly know because i used to be like there is a god and then i used to be like there isn't a god and then now i'm like There's no way I could possibly know either way. Who am I to think that I have all the answers? Why not believe the better story? (laughs) Exactly. Who does that hurt? Why not believe the comforting uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah.
0: For some people, it's comforting to believe that there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that for a long time, the reason I was so like, no, there is no God. There is no higher power is because I thought of God as like a religious thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought that you know, people within religion were so against certain things, like, you know, like the, the God that like the Bible portrays or ever like, if I'm like, well, if, if God hates gay people, or if God hates this person, then like, fuck that, <laughs> like, right? you know? And so I was very against, and then I realized like, oh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain religion's God right because that was the thing i was was like also like there's no way all of these people are right so probably none of them are right and uh yeah and god doesn't exist but yeah then i realized like yeah you can have your own and i know they talk about that in programs and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like your higher power is whatever you perceive it to be you know yeah um it can be you (laughs) like you you can kind of be your own i don't know like uh The way I've always heard it is um, you can
0: uh, your higher power can really be anything um, as long as it's not you. Mm. Um, But it could be a feeling that you've experienced. It could be your, I had a sponsor call it her true North, like a compass, Mm. like she had an internal compass. And um, as long as it's not like, I I think that's sort of the basis of addiction usually for most people. Whatever that thing they're addicted to is, is that they are in control and making those decisions. But one of the things they say in the program I go to is, is um, my best thinking got me here. Mm -hmm. So why not surrender to something else, whatever that thing may be?
1: I think that was my biggest um, problem when I've done programs is that when they would say like surrender to a higher path, like I always want to feel like I'm in control. And mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah, you and every other person who struggles with that. And that's yeah. why it would
1: make me so mad to be like, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be. It's like, no, like I'm going to make it meant to be. <laughs> like, right? right. Um, Cause if, if I'm not in control, then like, what am I doing? And like, uh, So that was always really hard for me to, to grasp, um, was just kind of like surrendering that control. And I think that was why I I always struggled with the idea of like a higher power is like, it's scary to think like, no matter what I do, that I'm not in control. Yeah. Um, so
0: I don't know. You doing good. You ready for that last question? Yeah. You're like, this has been a podcast. This has been a podcast and I have. Um, You've been fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much for being honest and open and vulnerable and sharing your stuff. And you're a delight thank you yeah everybody should listen to the screw-ups podcast please everybody do. yeah please it's me and like, jesse who's a delight rate review she's still wearing pink glasses every time she's yeah. she's adorable she um adorable. <laughs> uh, i one time was at a show and i just she had a, a very large crystal in her hand and we were talking and then she just like very quietly put it in her pocket it was very funny i was like yeah <laughs> i like that world she lives in that sounds yeah. fun like she's very sweet people give me crystals all the time
1: yeah um she was actually raised wiccan what yeah
0: gotta talk to her that's
1: fun yeah so I mean, she's, like she's like she's real bruja she's not like uh in that world anymore but like yeah she was definitely her parents were and she was raised.
0: what that. bless her oh that's awesome yeah that's exciting well what is one thing you would say to somebody just like you in the world to the people who are really vibing on this podcast who are really getting it and like what what would you say to those people
1: wow um that's hard because it's something i should be saying to myself i guess um I guess that uh, don't take life too seriously, I think, first of all.
0: It's all just a silly game. Just I play
1: really the game. Think, uh, Have fun playing the game. I really think in the times where I have found a place where I haven't been taking life too seriously. is when I've been the most happy. Um, I think, um, your emotions are not you. You aren't defined by being like a, you know, sad, whoever (laughs) also people will still care about you and be there for you. If you're not sad, like you don't have to be sad for people to, um, care about you in your life. Cause I think that's a, it's like an attention seeking thing for I, you. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mechanism that I use to prove to myself that people still care about me or to feel connected to people because when you're in pain or when, when you're in distress, people run to you and they, um, and the trick is, is it works. It's
0: effective. However, then you, you're committed to being sad girl. Yep.
1: And, um, people should want to be around you and be there for you when you're happy and at your best. And if they're not, yeah. then they're not truly, you know, your friends or your, you know, yeah. and that's okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think that's a big thing. It works
0: both ways, by the way. Like if one is, if they care, if they characterize themselves as like fun, happy, supportive, like I tend to do, mm people should also want to be around you when things are maybe a little hard yep. too. So it's like, I think the pendulum, the, the people pleasing or the lack of like, uh, not authenticity, but like attention seeking nature mm-hmm. works. The pendulum swings both ways and it's probably yeah. the exact same, mm-hmm. the exact same behavior. And it's totally normal. You Absolutely, know? Just, I,
1: I want to make sure that I don't like, not take, because I think most of the people I spend most of my time with are caretakers and are like, mm. they like taking care of people and they like, yeah, whatever. And, um, I want to make sure that I'm not taking advantage of that ever yeah because I think sometimes I might, um, and I think part of it's probably an age thing, like a maturity thing. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm still a child and like yeah you know, I'm in my 20s now yeah mess. take care of me yeah but See, it's easier to nurture a puppy than an old dog eventually that ain't <laughs> cute anymore uh-huh. and I think it's starting to get to the point where it's not cute <laughs> so like I'm like I gotta take care of myself
0: it'll get uncute and then <laughs> and then somewhere in your 30s it'll get cute again and then it'll get uncute really quick yeah yeah I don't
1: want to be like I, I've been watching girls like I've been re-watching girls did you ever watch that show yeah and it's just like I hate how much I identify with some of those characters (laughs) (laughs) because they're so unlikable and so entitled. And so like, and not, you know, I think they're exaggerated forms of that, but there are certain moments where I'm like, Ooh, like, Ugh, if that's me, I got to stop. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I,
1: I probably felt that
0: way about fleabag. And I've if only you seen watch the it,
1: pilot of that um, show, but it's great.
0: Yeah. It's sort of like, it's sort of like all those girls issues crammed into one person, but like in their thirties, like in their mid to late thirties, which is where I'm at. Yeah. And I, I get it. I'm like, Oh yeah, you got to At some point you got to slow that. You got to slow that shit down, you yeah. know, like, um, but, Yeah, you're awesome. Thank Thank you you so much for doing this podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you?
1: Um, at Nicole Buchanan, B-E-C-A-N-N-O-N on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, listen to Scrubs podcast and yeah uh
0: people can find me at annav is fun on twitter and instagram you can also find me at annavillensworld.com for all my show dates um i will be in malaysia in Ooh. october i'm probably going to be in tokyo um for wow. all you for all you roast battle Jet fans seller. out there <laughs> yeah this is gonna be fucking crazy um and uh um i'm gonna be in colorado in a couple of weeks so stay tuned for that probably when this drops i'll be in colorado uh, denver so pay attention for that um uh, blah, 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 blah. uh other podcasts brew jaja podcast um listen to everything on the unpops network please uh, support the fam and um nicole how we end this every time as we say if you haven't heard this today i love you And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard this today, we love you. Love you. Bye. I got so
1: self-conscious with Luke.